Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube. We are a gaming podcast and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back, you guys. Thank you for joining us in our next dive through our of our little mini series here that we started a couple weeks ago. It is our interpretation of the elements, and we are moving on to the next element on our list, which is Earth. Now, Earth is a very interesting element when it comes to games, right? There's a lot of instant things that you might think about, you know, desert wasteland, stuff like that. But there's a lot more behind the concept of Earth. And we're trying to, you know, focus more on the idea of the element Earth specifically for this. Similar to what we did with water, right? Water was very focused on levels and games that really showcase and make that element the main theme or like use it in a very interesting thematic way so that's kind of what we are diving into here with earth as well and we found some pretty good games to for you guys to check out some of them you might have heard of some of them you probably don't know about which is much more fun to find the unknowns right and they all have some really cool concepts behind them anyway we do have kind of an extensive list here so we might as well just jump right into it and why don't we start out with some games that pertain more to the rebuilding of earth right we have a lot of games that actually focus on building structures or building up more of the land itself and a lot of you know automation style games but then there are some on this list here that we gathered and some out there that actually make it where you are rebuilding the ter- the terrain alone which is really cool and really interesting and i figured before we get into some of the older titles on this because we have some cool little retro ones that really push the envelope in this in this area we can talk about one that we have discussed briefly um and it is a newer game it's called terra nil terra nil is a fantastic little title in which we are rebuilding the world a Uh, basically a wasteland right and we're starting from fresh starting fresh and new trying to make everything lush and green again and it's just a gorgeous game to look at it's all kind of like tile set uh you're starting out from nothing you're rebuilding rivers rebuilding terrain setting back up power as far as a natural ecosystem or like natural power like wind you know solar those kind of aspects and using the world itself or the land itself to help repopulate and reforge i guess or i'm trying to think of the or reforced there you go it is the better way of putting it the world around you and it is just a gorgeous looking game i i love this title so much and it is so peaceful and just wonderful i even want to use it now at work um we have some we have an event going on pretty soon here in which it's it's kids day and we're focusing a lot on um like healthy living and um you know making less of a carbon footprint for children you know kind of like showcasing some of those cool things and i I was asked to you know participate in this and i was like well maybe we can just play terra nil right teach them actual like because what's really cool about the game itself or at least what i think is really cool is that the the practices used are legit practices, mm-hmm. like actual real world things that we do. Like even when it comes to slash and burn or creating water turbines and stuff like that, uh, repopulating f- like uh, 
flower fields with bees and it, there's a lot of really cool concepts in there so it's it, i love that title so much yeah i i remember finding this game uh during next fest and i wasn't really expecting it to be the way it was because i love city building games a lot so creating playing something that lets you rejuvenate a world it almost motive it makes me wish i could do that in real life you know like it Mm -hmm. it's interesting because i've been kind of i haven't been keeping up with the game since that next fest that happened and i knew that they were doing a tropical region but looking through it they're adding like so much like newer stuff like i know they're adding animals and they added a thing that Mm. your whole play of that map it does like a replay so you get to watch the growth of your map which is really cool but i really love this idea because you know you're not just creating grass on the ground right like you are trying to you know you gotta spread the seeds oh if you want to create a certain ground you have to burn the trees and it's it's so interesting because it feels like how things should be right and i love Mm -hmm. that you know at the end of the map because you want to bring everything back to the way it was you have to recycle all of your buildings and by doing that it's like oh you have to connect them through you know these little boats that are going to take it to your plane and then your plane is built out of all these recycled parts and it's just it's so creative like this is something i really never would have thought of you know, and that's why I really enjoy it. And I'm glad that it seems to be getting more and more attention. Like I know uh, at the WASDA event, it sounds like they had a pretty mm-hmm. good turnout for the game. And I'm I'm excited. Like I think when it comes out, it will be one I might jump on, which is rare for me to say. But I don't know. I really like it. It's it's different than what other games in the past have done with rebuilding worlds, you know. Yeah, it's land preservation and teaching people yeah. pack in, pack out, which is such an important concept to learn when it comes to camping or just appreciating nature on its own, you know, take your crap out with you. And yes, those tools were used to rebuild the land and make it better, but it still could be harmful in the future as far as like looking at eco waste and stuff like that. So showing that we can create something and then create something that's self-sustainable mm-hmm. is really, really cool. So I think that's what's fascinating about that title. But why don't we kick it back to some old school titles on here? Ones that might have been the, you know, the ones that lead the way, I guess, right? And when it comes to these kind of preservation games or these world building or, uh, yeah, world so, kind of games. For me, the first one that really comes to mind are uh, it's the I guess people call it the Gaia trilogy from Quintet. Uh, I know it's got a bunch of different names that people mm-hmm. kind of call it, but I think Gaia makes more sense because you're kind of rebuilding Earth or the land in general in all three other games. But if you don't know, uh, Quintet was a part of Enix back in the square or not square jesus um super nintendo days uh soul blazer was the first one in the trilogy which it's your typical action game for the time you know top down 
I don't want to say Zelda-like, but kind of is a Zelda-like. Um, the land is, like, destroyed by an evil king, and you have to repopulate it. Um, so basically, it's very mm-hmm. simple. You know, I mean, it, this is an early approach. Um, you get your little monster dens, you beat the monsters, it repopulates the area. Right, so every time you clear out the monsters in their den, you're bringing life back to the planet. You know, like the land is already there built, but you're just bringing civilization and animals back, which I actually really loved. Um, I remember jumping into this game because I really wanted to do a review for it for in this podcast, and then I kind of forgot about it because I remember we were talking about this quintet thing, like in the first couple months of doing this podcast, you know, and it's like, Oh, well, you know, I mean, now I feel like I have enough knowledge to make a very interesting, like talk about all these games, but, um, so it was really fun. I, uh, I really enjoyed it when I played it. I, I mean, I love Terra Enigma, but I really, really like soul blazer a lot. The music and everything about it is good. Um, there is one game that came out before this from Quintet as well that also has the same idea. Uh, and I didn't think about talking about it in this episode, but I think it fits perfectly as ActRaiser. Um, you mm-hmm. go through stages and you there's like part side-scrolling action with uh, like a, a sim side of it. So you're rebuilding... Uh, land or uh, communities on this continent. And it's interesting because a lot of people didn't like that little break in between the action, but you start seeing in all their other games that they did, that this was becoming a normal thing, right? Um, With Illusion of Gaia, I'll be honest, that's probably one of the only ones I never really got too far in, so I can't talk about it. I just know that you are rebuilding the land as well. But with Terra Enigma, it... I was always interested in it. It didn't come out here in the U.S., so you had to either um, play European copy or, you know, of course it's available now, but it's a fantastic little game. Um, You are basically rebuilding Earth. Uh, You rebuild the continents, you go throughout time. Like, there's a part like, prehistoric era, and then you go to, like, feudal era. It's interesting because you don't really notice it at first that you're rebuilding Earth. Um, And then there's, like, hints of names, and you're like, wait a minute, this is, like, an American city, or something like that. And it's interesting because once you can fly around in the game you're like oh that's australia oh that's you know that's africa like it's very interesting how they incorporated building earth in that game and uh Mm. i really liked it it's it's not as hands-on you know as like you know what we were just talking about with some of the newer games but with quintet I found it very fascinating how they had this idea of like, oh, the the more you progress, the more you see this world around you evolve, right? Like you're bringing life back, you're bringing land back. Like it's it's very interesting. And as someone who loves seeing 
progression for the work that they do in the game, like it, it fulfilled that urge that I get in games. Like I love seeing like something I, I guess you could say unlocked, uh, in the world. And mm-hmm. that was the perfect sense. Like as, as long as you're progressing the story, you're seeing different cities pop up on these continents and there's even like special ones you can find. And it's just, it's so cool, you know? And then you get all into the modern time where you get to fly a plane and all that. And it's just, I really love that game a lot. And if anyone out there loves that era and hasn't played it or has been on the fence, because I've actually heard people say like, they like don't know if they should play it. I think they should. Um, I think it's definitely one of the top games for the Super Nintendo. But I loved that building of it. Um, and I know there's another series I want to get into after this. But did you have you had any experience with like any of the quintet games at all, or not yet? I, I just from kind of osmosis through <laughs> you playing mm-hmm. them. But as far as what I can tell from them, I mean, they seem like fantastic titles and they seem like the the great, uh, I don't know, like it almost seems like the perfect proof of concept, mm-hmm. right? That we can genre bend a little bit, which I think is really, really cool whenever games do it. And genre bending is difficult to accomplish, right? Whenever you put two things mm-hmm. together and they found a way to mix like the action style with the city building and the, all that and the world building, which I think in a very clever way, like matching it with the progression of you going through stages and just seeing not just like instead of seeing like l- characters only leveling up or just getting new equipment, you actually see the impact of what you've accomplished in the world around you, which I really enjoy. And I think it's a very clever way of mixing those two uh genres in a way right oh yeah um i i like how you brought up the genre bending because it's like you didn't really see that too often back then or Mm -hmm. if you did you didn't see such opposite genres right like when we think of like a simulation game like action is like the complete opposite and it's interesting yeah. how they made that work because the simulation is not just your, oh, place a tile here and just watch it grow. Like they, they add action to it as well. Like it almost becomes a tower defense game, you know? So it's, it's not just your like place a tile here. Oh, let's watch it grow. Like, no, there's things that fly in, attack, destroy. Like it's, uh, it's weird. It's like a sim tower defense puzzle game, but I mean, they were able to make it work and ActRaiser was a launch title for the Super Nintendo. So, I mean, or it was in that early phase mm-hmm. to think that a game like that came out so early. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah, uh, it's pioneering, honestly. And I feel like it's the reason why we have so many games like, you know, like Stardew nowadays, right? Like where you have your farming sim plus, you know, go into the mines and fight these things Mm -hmm. you know like if we have minecraft which does the same thing like there's all kinds of games that can be linked back to these guys who pioneered or at quintet that pioneered the concept of mixing two genres that really on paper don't feel like they belong together yeah but they they did it right and they showed that this actually can be a fun way of showing progression so it's it's very clever i love that aspect and uh, kind of taking it 
into, well, I guess it's not really a modern world because, I mean, early 2000s is not mm. really modern anymore. But uh, the Dark Cloud games, I yeah. think, and my they're, they're like my favorite games on the PlayStation 2. Like, to this day, I, I still love Dark Cloud 2 with a passion because being able to build your little cities or towns for the different regions you go is so cool. Uh, for people that don't know, I think Dark Cloud was like a launch title for the PlayStation 2. It was really early because I remember when I got a PlayStation 2, which was kind of early, Dark Cloud was the first game I got. Well, the initial and release was 2000 and then 2001 in North America for these games. So I think they were pretty close to launch titles. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but basically this game, you go into a cave, you unlock these, I think they're geodes or diodes, I forget. And from beating monsters from chess, and you take that back to this empty plot of land and you're creating life, right? So you're building the buildings, you're building the little roads, the lamps, the people like it's, it's so cool. And I mean, the first game, yeah, it is, it's pretty plain it's pretty basic in what it is but it's there you know it has the good bones and then when you get to the sequel you're like whoa like they they really expanded upon it and not just that but the action is more interesting you know it's an action rpg as well uh it feels like ocarina time kind of combat like it's it's nothing too difficult and I don't know, like, I really loved how they kind of gave you the freedom to build these towns the way you want, mm. but there is an optimal way to build them because if you build them a certain way, it does change the game a little bit in the sense that you unlock different items, you get different dialogue because, you know, you can just place a house next to a house and call it a day. But if you talk to the NPC that lives in the house, they're like, oh, I want a windmill right next to me facing to the north or something like that. And if you do it, you get like extra goodies. So it's like you're kind of creating a town the way they want you to build one, but you're still able to build it any way you want. Mm -hmm. And I I love it. Like I, I have Dark Cloud 2 on the PS4 because you can play it on there nowadays. Um, and then if you have PlayStation now, it's also on, a, it's also on that too. And I was like, damn, should I replay these? Like, I never beat both of them. I got very, very far, and then I just stopped for some reason. Um, it's a, the childhood attention span. So, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like when I was playing Dark Cloud 2, I swear, I mean, maybe I'm getting my time mixed up, but I think that's when I jumped to Final Fantasy X. Because mm. I remember jumping into a big RPG, and that just totally made me forget about it. But anyway... Those games are amazing. I, I love them. I would love to see a third game. I don't think it'll ever happen, but at least it's available to us now on modern consoles if we want it. And I, if you're on the fence, like Dark Cloud 1 is kind of the... If you ever wanted to experience the PS2, or the PS2 had an image of a game, I always feel like Dark Cloud is kind of like that early mascot mm -hmm. for the console. Even though it, it never really was a mascot, it's just when I thought when I looked at the PS2, I always saw that goofy dude with the green hat, the Link ripoff, little yeah. outfit, yeah, the Link ripoff, and I was like, man, 
the power of the PS2 is so cool. It's so dark and edgy compared to Nintendo, you know, but it it's a great game. It has good bones and it it's something different, you know, and I would love to see a modern equivalent. And I think there are some games out there that have tried to do stuff like that, but it's not as you know, it doesn't have the nostalgia glasses on it, so I can't really go crazy yeah. about them. All right, so I think it's time to dive into a different side of Earth. Uh, diving into mm-hmm. the more wastelandy kind of vibe that we get when we think, which I'm sure yeah. a lot of people, when they think of Earth as an element and how it's interpreted in games, this these kind of games pop up, right? And it's showing the devastation or the force, the strength behind the element itself and how it can completely rechange the map, change cultures, change everything similar to like with water, how we had the floods and the games based on that and how it completely changed everything down to the core gameplay itself, how we traverse the land. These wasteland games do that same thing, right? Where now you might have areas that are just too dangerous to scale or you just have wide open spaces showing the the emptiness the the lack of life there right that just Mm -hmm. gives you such an impact when you're going through it and of course you could just speed through those areas and not care as well right it's game so (laughs) but (laughs) like if you really sit down and pay attention to them they they really really drive home uh like a major theme there and it's it's so amazing to see and we found some games that do things a little differently each time, which is really, really cool. And I think the first game we should dive into is probably the Horizon series, right? Oh, yeah. The Horizon series shows a world that has been completely changed, completely redone, and it's it's very heavily forested, which is really interesting. And new forms of life have now populated the terrain itself, at, where like it's showing this juxtaposition of ultra-advanced AI and more like tribal style culture for humanity, which is really, really cool. And I like that mix there. And it kind of, it reminds me of that quote, right? The, you know, World War Three will be fought with nukes and bombs and World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. You know, mm-hmm. like how we kind of go back in time, we're going to revert, but it doesn't mean that that technology is going away. It just might not or might no longer be understood for what it originally was. And now people need to kind of change the way that they think about that tech. And I think that the Horizon series has done a fantastic job with that as far as how the tech is now interpreted years and years and years later after this cataclysmic event and how the land just takes over again. And it's is trying to thrive on its own and survive in its own way. And then humanity has to now, you know, find its place in this new style of world. It's really, really cool. I find it interesting that the games we picked for this topic, uh, for this part of the topic, all kind of have the same issue of technology or a new way of thinking or doing things kind of corrupted mm-hmm. the land. Yeah. Um. I didn't really think about it until I looked at the three names. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of true. But with Horizon, it's interesting. Like, I really enjoyed the first game, and I'm pretty far into the second game. And, I mean, the games are always beautiful. I love in the second game how there's different biomes, and it 
it makes it really interesting to see how people survive those different biomes, right? And it's a scary future, you know, think about it. Like the world, the ecosystem is just different. You know, there's giant robots everywhere. Like it's frightening. And you are trying to get to an AI that could re, that could bring earth kind of the way it used to be, right? Like environmentally and everything. find that balance and again, right? Yeah. 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 The balance. And it's, it's interesting, you know, like basically you're fighting AI and, it it shows a, a dark reality that, you know, like AI is good, but if you let it advance too far into the wrong hands, like it, it really could change a lot of things yeah. and not in the best way. Cause you have to think like AI will never really understand nature because it's just different, right? It's AI is synthetic. And there's no way, like, yeah, you could tell an AI about all the beauty of nature, but they don't know how to feel the emotions of being in nature. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, who knows? Maybe AI out there can sense but that at some point if they the ever do. It's also the direct reflection of the creator itself, right? If, if the yep. creator is looking to create it or like a, self-sustaining ai that is only for like one type of protection state right it, then it's it is well of course it's going to be flawed because it's made by man so there's already issues already put into it and there's gonna be biases that are put into that and mm -hmm. most of the time ai the way it's used is it, especially in like a defense kind of state it has like one set path and it will go to the path of least uh obstruction right like the easiest path to complete the task that's available to it like that's what ai does so if it deems that oh you know like this 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 sect of humans is you know being a little too aggressive towards what it's defending the easiest path would be to eliminate that you know issue and it's it's terrifying to think about, but it's it's too true. You know, I mean, if you break it down into even simpler terms, right? If you look at basic AI in video games themselves and like the path tracking, how many times can you stand next to something and it just doesn't really see you, right? Like it's not mm -hmm. perfect. AI is not perfect. It has the flaws and you cannot code for every single flaw. It's just not really possible. Yeah, sure, AI learns and it can grow based on, you know, experiences that we feed into it, but there's always going to be some sort of hiccup, some sort of issue in which the AI might run rampant. I mean, look at the Twitter bot that got made, right? And how horrible mm -hmm. that went because it got fed all of the, I mean, just all the tweets from the masses and it happened to be created at a very awkward time <laughs> where certain, you know, <laughs> lifestyles and uh, beliefs were being said a lot on Twitter and it followed that through and it became a very horrible thing in its own right. So it's, it is a very terrifying world that horizon has put in place here. It's very feasible. And actually all, all of these games are very feasible as, as far as what it could be. And it's, it's interesting to see the differencing in opinions of how the future world can look um, based on the designer's intents, right? And mm -hmm. I think that kind of brings in like, yeah, you know, Horizon is a lush forested land and it's what we kind of assume would happen. 
I mean, we see it a lot with like abandoned buildings in the forest, like the forest takes over, right? And then humanity's creations get, you know, either they start to just kind of get overrun by nature itself. But there are other viewpoints on the future as well. Like if you look at Death Stranding, for instance, that is a complete wasteland. Right. And it's mm-hmm. toxic for us to be out there because we have used all the resources to the point of where nature cannot come back. It cannot thrive through this situation. Right. And we've made the world toxic to us. And if you look at it now, like it's so relatable where you think about the the smog right out here in California that we deal with. <laughs> like it, when you go to L.A., you can see the layer of just smog and gunk that we're breathing in and at high values or high, you know, like if it, that continues to raise, then it's going to become toxic for us to live there and it won't be an inhabitable area anymore, which is kind of terrifying. But it's, it is one version of the future that is very plausible. And I, I really like the terrain and, and Death Stranding because it feels it's, it's terrifying in a much different way than Horizon is terrifying, right? Like, at least with the lushness of nature, you kind of feel like, okay, the world's okay, right? Like, the world's going to keep moving on. It's going to keep pressing forward. But in Death Stranding, it really feels like we killed everything. Like, we are mm-hmm. 100% cancer to the earth, and we destroyed it all. And now we need to, like go to like emergency situations, right? Like we just need to find out how to live the next day. And it's it's a much different concept than what Horizon was giving us. It's interesting you bring up like the whole pollution and stuff. And I think it's also kind of fascinating that, did you ever see that uh, face mask that Dyson made? Oh yeah. With the air purifier, yeah. like it's, it, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, what if we get to that point where we're all going to have to wear air purifiers on our face? Now, granted, people are more aware of, like, climate problems and stuff like that. And, I mean, there's always issues that people face. Like, oh, in order to get renewable energy, it's still going to create a lot of pollution just to get it. But, I mean, at the same time, we can still limit stuff. And, you know, we don't have to get to the point where we have to wear air purifiers on our face. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating how the world can really change. And, you know, when I look at that stranding, I'm like, it, it's so different. Like, I don't think I've ever seen an apocalyptic game in that kind of realm because it's frightening, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like fallout where it's like, Oh, this is a bomb drop. Like it's, you know, expected, but where's death stranding? It's, really unexpected i mean are we ever gonna have like invisible monsters like roaming the lands listening to sound like probably not but it's such a creative take on what we did to destroy the land around us it's fascinating Uh, i really i for me when it comes to games i love playing a game that has a destroyed land in a certain way and I feel like that game has such a interesting take, even though, you know, you're just running around. It's, it's fascinating to me. I, I love seeing ruined games and I mean, I love it even better when you can fix them, but if you can't, it's still 
fascinating to see what human error can lead yeah. to. Well, I mean, in this idea of the air purifier, I mean, not to say the obvious, but I mean, look at COVID, right? Like, and how much that, yep. not just pollution, but just the air we breathe now is so dangerous to us, right? And it not, not just our air, but like the air around us that are, you know, that everyone's breathing and breathing out and just... Like, I can totally see us in the future. Like, masks are not going to go away. Like, that's going to be a permanent fixture in the rest of our life. COVID is not going to go away. It's going to be a permanent thing that we have to deal with. And I could see the future looking like that, where we need to have those air, air purifiers on us at all times just to avoid getting sick. And that can lead to a whole new world that where, you know, farmlands get, like, stop being tended to because there's not enough people to tend to them anymore, right? Like businesses start falling apart, which they did during COVID because they didn't have the resources or the people to take care of it. I mean, look at gas prices nowadays. It's freaking insane. And that's not just that mm -hmm. was first impacted by COVID and now impacted by war. But it's just it's that that trickle effect, right? And it's just going to continue getting worse and worse, unfortunately. And it's not something that I don't want to think about. None of us want to think that it's going to get worse. But you have to expect the worst situation. Or at least kind of anticipate it a little bit. And I feel like, yeah, like Dyson's smart for making these things. Because watch, like in five years, I feel like this is going to be a very common thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the easier fix to a yeah. Bigger it's the band-aid that yeah. they'll put on and just not worry about it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, regretfully scary. Ugh, gosh, but maybe let's let's take a step out of our own earth here for a minute and let's check out a game that showcases maybe a world that is on the brink of this catastrophic event. Right, the world is starting to. Mm -hmm become corrupted and kind of go into this catastrophic apocalypse event but we still have a chance to clean it up and fix it and that is the gunk gunk is a it's a beautiful yeah. game just came out recently it's it's gorgeous if you guys haven't checked it out yet but you go end up going to a different planet and you find this gunk that's laying around and you basically just you know you're cleaning up the gunk you're fighting things and you are learning about the world itself and eventually try and help purify the world from this gunk and like the gunk can be so symbolic of anything that we have here right where it's whether it's pollution or whatever it may be but it's something that is slowly creeping over the world and taking over things and basically just snuffing out life wherever it touches so it's it's very it's it's really interesting i like the way the gunk did this because it is a very deep difficult topic to you know handle but they delivered it in a very approachable way especially with like the styling the writing all that it is very very impactful that way yeah i didn't expect um kind of the i don't want to say deepness of it but mm -hmm. there was more to it than i thought and i'm not gonna spoil anything because there are a little bit of story spoilers but something that gets talked about kind of early ish is that you know there's you're on this planet 
and you're just there trying to get resources, trying to figure out what's going on, and you realize like there's this gunk everywhere. And it's kind of like Luigi's Mansion, where you can suck it all up with your little vacuum. But you realize that there was an ancient civilization there, and you don't know what it is, but as you look at murals and progress further, you find out that it was an outside force. You know, it's kind of like, I don't want to say technology because it's not technology, but it's a, a new idea brought to a, I don't want to say ancient civilization. I'm trying to like word it where I'm not trying to say like, oh, like someone brought advanced ideas to a tribal uh, belief and tried to evolutionize it. But it's basically technology or knowledge mm -hmm. taken in the wrong way, you know, where it leads to the planet's destruction. You know, it's, they were trying to, you know, futurize a place that had no idea of anything like that. And, you know, that's, that's why you see that, you know, and there's a lot more to the story as you progress and you figure stuff out, but to give like a little quick snippet of what it's about, like, that's basically what you see. And it's a very interesting take on that kind of subject because it's very oh you get to see the environment for the way it is and how destructive it is to the the fauna and the animal like everything around you like is affected by it and it hits on a different level you know it it feels more lifelike even though it doesn't look lifelike it, it's weird to describe but i definitely I really enjoyed my time with that title. And that was one I didn't know about till it came out. And it's, it's a really interesting game. Like I, I enjoy my time with it and it's, it's not super long. So, I mean, I definitely recommend trying it out if anyone uh, has game pass. Yeah. It, um, it really shows off there. the power and like the, the destructive nature or ability of technology whenever not taking into consideration the environment around you which is exactly what we've done for hundreds of years. And then now we're trying to backpedal, you know? So it, it's, it's really cool as far as like taking that concept and kind of changing the way we think about it. Very clever. Okay. I think that's enough destruction <laughs> for now. Maybe we can talk about some games mm -hmm. that really show off the beauty of earth itself and just how amazing the nature can be really and these two games are from the same exact game company that game company and you've heard me talk about one of them a lot <laughs> but the first game i want to discuss <laughs> is journey now how can we not discuss journey whenever we are talking about the element of earth just looking at the scenery around you the vast deserts the gorgeous mountain all of that like this game really really makes the terrain a separate character and showcases it in such a beautiful light in which it becomes the it's not just the world that you're walking on it is the world you're walking through and just i don't know it's 
it's gorgeous. It, it really invokes so many different emotions. And I think that that game company is such a smart or like they're so smart in the way that they deliver the themes where they really focus on the environment itself. Where like it really tells a story without having to tell the story. And it's so clever and just so gorgeous. And just yeah. I, I love this game so much. I've talked about it so many times. I feel like I don't want to dive in too far with it. But <laughs> but for those of you who don't know what Journey is, if you haven't listened to, you know, the probably like 30 episodes that I've brought it up, uh, <laughs> it is a game where you follow your, your one protagonist who is going on a journey to the top of a mountain. And the journey itself is, it dives into different stages of grief. And it really shows that off so well. And there is no narration, really. There's no dialogue that's in this game. It's just whenever you interact with the terrain itself, when you're sliding through the sand or when it's really, really cold and you're climbing up the mountain and your character starts to slow down and get a little frostbit looking, like you feel the the pain and anguish of the journey itself, but you feel like you need to press forward. And you need to keep moving on. And it just, yeah, it's such a sad short game, though, too, which is pretty nice. So if you're looking for something bite-sized and a real great experience is seeing how games can tell a story and how games can be really looked at as an art form, I think that this is a a perfect game to check out as far as that goes. So, Yeah, I really... I enjoyed my time with that. And I'm thinking, you know, some of their other games they did, like for me, I've been playing through Flower recently, which I never really experienced. I remember seeing it back in the day, um, but I I hate games that do like the six axis or gyro controls mm-hmm. or motion controls, whatever you want to call it. And I was always like, Ugh, I don't want to play that just because of that reason. But I figured, oh, you know what? Now's a good time to try. I need something peaceful after playing all these Souls games like I need. I just need something nice. And it, it it's exactly what I wanted. It's peaceful. It's relaxing. Like, it's interesting, too, because the story is kind of... It's very realistic, right? Like, it's a land with cities, and nature is second best like no one cares about nature anymore and between stages you see images of a a bustling city like new york and there's no green right it's just Mm -hmm. lifeless brown and white and before each stage you are in a room right in the first room there's like a flower pot with a little budding flower and that represents a stage as you progress in the stages the amount of flowers that are in that room progresses and the room fills up with more color as well, which I think is a really beautiful touch. And the game's simple, right? You're, you get put into maps and you're a little flower petal and you just have to fly to other flowers. And I'm actually really enjoying it because I want to get the platinum for it. And it's finding all the secret flowers and doing the little goodies that you have to do for the challenges. Like it's very enjoyable. Um, it's not difficult at all, but it's, it's just relaxing. Like the music that plays every time you touch a flower, uh, it's really nice. And it makes me really want to just fly super quick 
because then the music like harmonizes and it's just, it's a treat, you know, it's not like a game I've really experienced before. And it's a very different approach from journey. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that was the game right before journey. And it's interesting how they're almost the complete opposite, I think in their storytelling, but at the same time, they're still providing that same sense of trying to understand the world around you. And I haven't played their first game flow at all, but I feel like that's mm-hmm. a game for a different topic uh, for one of our other elements. But it's weird how that game company um, really yeah. knows how to create stuff about the environment without telling you like, yeah, they're not it's, spoon it's feeding it to it, you, you know. Flower really reminds me because I love that juxtaposition of like the the dark, dank city that is obviously showing a bunch of construction and continued growth there, right? And then it takes you out to a field, just a field of flowers, and just how gorgeous it is to appreciate nature around you. And it it actually reminds me a lot of like whenever we go vacationing at like a national park, right? Like we live in San Diego, which is a pretty bustling city, mm-hmm. but it's nice to, you know, sit back and just appreciate nature for a little while and just see how gorgeous things can be and just, you know, feel the wind on your face, just stand out in a field to look at the rolling hills and just and just love what the world can do when it's left alone. Right. Like, yeah, sure. We're we are big tech guys. Right. Like we love our games. We love our computers. I mean, I work in this light tech industry itself right now. And but it's so nice to be able to step out of that for a little bit. And I think Flower does exactly that. It allows you to step out, not just as a player, but even the character itself. Like, I mean, you can you could say that, you know, the character is the one living in the apartment. Right. And maybe you are the one just walking through these fields, just appreciating what's around you and just loving every second of it. So it is nice to it's just a nice break, a nice breath of fresh air, I think. And it just looks fantastic. Ugh, yeah. It's so hypnotizing to just watch even. Yeah, it's one of those games that if you have a stressful day and you just want to turn your mind off, it's like the perfect game. Yeah. So, I mean, Earth as an element when it's interpreted in games can be showcased in so many different ways. We've discussed, you know, rebuilding the Earth or uh, how the Earth can turn into a scary wasteland and then how we can just appreciate the world around us how beautiful nature can be on it when it's left alone and you know these are just a few titles that we wanted to discuss we have a lot on the list for this one so we did have to cut it back a little bit uh but this is i'm really loving this series so much so far as far as you know just showcasing the different elements and what they can do and how we can interpret them differently in games and not just interpret them differently through gameplay but showing them off in a way to make people appreciate these elements right it just appreciate nature and maybe look at things a little differently 
And I think some of these games definitely do that, whether it does it through fear tactics, right? With like Horizon and Death Stranding showing us a world of which, uh, how it can be if we don't change, or just, you know, looking through playing flower and just seeing how beautiful the world is around us on its own. And maybe we're better off just kind of leaving, leaving it a little bit, right? So, I don't know. I hope you guys are enjoying these little series here. And we will definitely be returning with the other two elements soon. And yeah, so that's going to do it for us this week. Hope you guys enjoyed our little excursion as we dive deeper into the interpretation of the elements in games. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.